Well, today I want to talk to you about a man named Samuel. How many of you guys know Samuel? Good, a few of you. So I can give a little bit of a backstory. Samuel was a prophet in the Old Testament. He was actually the last of the judges, and he bridged that gap patriarchs and the judges and then the the monarchy of Israel. It was a time that he lived that the voice of God was very rare and people weren't really hearing God. The priesthood and all of that was corrupt at that time. Israel had rejected God not too long after Samuel came on the scene and they wanted a king. And there's a whole story in that because they wanted a king because the other nations around them wanted a king. And so we could do a series on wanting things that other people have that actually aren't good for us. Um, But Samuel's story, it actually starts long before he came on the scene and was doing all these things. It started with a woman named Hannah. Hannah was Samuel's mother, and his birth was miraculous. And there's a lot that I believe that we can learn from the short part that it talks about Hannah. She's just a couple chapters in the book of Samuel, but the way she walked through such a hard time in her life that eventually brought forth this amazing man that we still talk about today, um, I want to draw attention to and be able to learn from. So in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, this is where it introduces Hannah on the scene. It says, there was a certain man from Ramathim, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jerohom, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. If I pronounced any of those wrongs, I apologize. Um, he had two wives, one called Hannah and the other called Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from the town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed his womb. So Hannah was his first wife. And because she was barren, the custom of the day was that a man would take on a second wife to raise up children for the family. And we see in this story that um, Elkanah actually favored Hannah, and he gave her a double portion so that it kind of represented her and the child that she didn't have. I just want to pause for a moment before we move on. I hear all kinds of men tell me all the time how they don't understand women. Why would you take on a second one? I mean, I'm just saying, I'm glad that we've progressed to this point to where we realize that. Um, Especially you. Um, But we see that Hannah desired to have a child. In culture at that time, they saw barrenness as a curse from God. They felt like if someone was barren, they had sinned and that God was cursing them and this was their punishment that they were barren. And so a man would take on another wife and raise up children because that was kind of like a retirement policy a little bit. Um, They took care of you when you were older and and kind of expanded the name. Hannah wasn't the only barren woman of her day. There were many other women, I'm sure, especially if there was a custom to take on another wife. Um, But there was something special about Hannah. God had given her this dream to have a child And year after year, it says that she had desired for this child, and um, she would, you know, he would give her this extra portion, so she was remembering what she didn't have. 
But what I've learned is that when God gives us a dream, there's an appointed time. There is a specific time when that dream has come to pass. When Matt and I first got married, I wanted to have children right away, but it took me three years to finally have my first child. It was a painful three years. It seems so short right now, but in the midst of those three years, when you got negative test after negative test, and there was tears after tears, and you wondered if it would ever happen for you, um, it, it seems so long in the moment. But now that we have our daughter, I realized, like, had she come three years earlier, how much different would her life look? How much different would our life look? Like, she would be off to college right now. And we may not even be in ministry right now. I don't know. We might not live here right now. Her friend group would be different than what it is right now. There was an appointed birth date for our daughter. And if we would have rushed that, if we could have, then a lot of things would be much different than what they are right now. Just like Samuel, he had a king to anoint, he had a people to speak to, he had a voice to be able to share, he had a calling to be able to call the people back to God. And if he would have been born earlier, and we don't know how many years Hannah was waiting for this son, things could have been so much different. Is there a desire in your heart that you have that you know is from God that you feel like is being delayed? Consider what it might look like if it comes premature. Or better yet, look back to something that you waited for and you really, really wanted. What would have happened if you would have got it when you first desired it? Would it look much different? Would you have been different? Because I know for me, in those three years that I waited to have my daughter, I grew a whole lot, especially in patience, and it was very much needed. And so I'm sure she is very grateful for those three years of learning that. As we read a little further in the story of Samuel, we'll see how Hannah handled this barrenness that she was suffering through. If we start in verse 6, it says, Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made this vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor will ever be used on his head, as she kept on praying the Lord to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. He said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the Lord God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant buy favor in your eyes. And then she went her way, ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. As we talk here today, I want to ask you to think about, is there something that you're desiring today that you're holding on to in your hands, that you're trying to make happen in your own strength? Or are those desires placed in the hands of God? 
Psalm 20, verse 4 says, May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. As we listen today, I just want to challenge you. The only way that a God-given desire can come to pass is if God is the one that makes it succeed. So let's pray. Dear Father God, we just come before you. And Lord, we thank you for your word that teaches us, that corrects us, that encourages us. Lord God, that lovingly leads us to truth. And so God, I pray that our ears would be opened, that our hearts would be opened, Father, that we would be able to see where you're wanting to deal with our hearts today. God, if there is anything that you have put in our hearts that we are not stewarding well, that we are trying to do in our own strength, I pray that you would help us to see those things, Lord God, and help us to surrender surrender them to you. We pray that you would have your way in this house today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see from this story that Hannah had a rival. It says that her rival kept provoking her with the intent to irritate her. And scholars say it's not necessarily to make her mad, but to cause her deep inner pain. It wasn't just once, it was year after year. Opposition that comes in many forms. It could be people, like we see in the story of Hannah, but it could also be the doubts in our own mind or our past that is telling us that we're not who we need to be to accomplish the things that God has for us. But what we do know is that it's the enemy of our soul that is out to still kill and destroy. He is the one that's trying to keep us from accomplishing the things that God has for us. Because if he can take our eyes off of what God wants to do in our life, then he can keep us from doing all that he's called us to. But this is God's promise to you. In Samuel 2, verse 10... And this was part of Hannah's prayer after she had received her son. It says, The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. If God has placed a God-given desire in your heart, there is absolutely nothing that any person can ever do to derail his plans. Only you can be the one to choose not to walk into it. The enemy tries to discourage us when our dream is in its infancy state, when we're holding on to it by faith, before we've really seen anything come to pass yet. And this is where he really starts bringing people who don't see it in us, doubt, whatever he can to try to discourage us. When people don't see it in us, it's often because they're not looking through the eyes of God. But sometimes it's because they're looking through the eyes of their own insecurity. See, in this story, Penina was jealous She was unloved by her husband, the story says, and she was finding her value as the second wife that could do what the first wife couldn't do, which was have children. She probably felt that that's where her full value was, and that if Hannah ever did have children, who would she be? Where would her place be? I remember a long time ago, I was struggling with someone really close to me in my family, and I I was really offended and really hurt by how they were treating me and the way they were acting, and I just couldn't understand why they would be responding to me that way. And I got some really great advice from a friend that as I was telling her this story, she was like, oh my gosh, she is so hurting. And I was like, she's hurting? Oh, I didn't even think about her hurting. Because my view was, was where I was, what was happening to me. But as soon as I saw that she was really acting out of hurt, It changed everything about the situation. Instead of battling against her, I started praying for her. And that lesson that I learned, it's helped me through so many different things in life. 
Because what I've learned is that it's hurt people that hurt people. And in this story, could you imagine being Penina unloved? Married to a man that loves another woman. She was a very hurt woman. And so thankfully we see that Hannah didn't go in battle against her rival. But point number two is Hannah um, took her petitions to God. She could have lashed back and she could have told her, well, our husband doesn't love you. Um, or some other hurtful thing. But instead, she brought it to God and she paid, prayed with passion. In Psalm 141.2, it says, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. When we bring those deep, passionate prayers to God, those prayers of a hurting mother, those prayers of a mother that's lost or that's grieving for their child or that their child's in a place where they don't know, and they're bringing that to God, it's like incense before him. If you're being, if a rival is coming against you, and you bring that to God, it's like incense before him. He wants us to bring our desires and our struggles and our heart before him. And when we do, as a first response, rather than a last-ditch effort, then it does so much in our life. And I've been in both places. Can you say the same? Times when I've went to God first thing, as soon as something was going wrong, as soon as someone was coming against me, and he always works it out for good. He always sets my heart right. He always gives me what I need. But when I try it all in my own strength, and I go to him as a final result, I realize he's usually got to fix a bunch of mess that I made. Because when I do it in my strength, I usually make a mess of it. The Bible says that the fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. Hannah's prayer was fervent, so much so that the priest, which I think shows his corruptness, thought she was drunk, but she was passionately praying to God. Her trust was in him, and she was seeking him for help. In James 5, verse 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. For three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. James is telling us in this that if, if Elijah, who's just a man, was just like you, if he can pray, and because he believed God would stop rain for three and a half years, why can't you? If he could pray... And, and have it rain on his prayer, why can't you pray for your children? Why can't you pray for your desire? Why can't you pray and make whatever mountain is in your life be thrown into the sea? They're no different than you. If our passionate prayers, faith-filled prayers are powerful, why would we resort to anything else first? Think of just this just for a moment. Hannah lived in a time when prayer and seeking God was done at the temple. It says that they went there once a year to offer sacrifices. Imagine for a moment if the only time you could come and passionately pray to God was once a year. As I was reading through this story, I was thinking, man, I am so lucky that I live in a day where I can get on my knees and I can pray to God anytime I want. That he's always listening and he's always right there. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we don't have to go to a temple. We don't have to wait to travel to get into the presence of God. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace, and I will hear your prayer. Why would we go anywhere else? 
I was raised, thankfully, in a culture of prayer. My mom and my grandma were great prayer warriors. They prayed for me all the time, thankfully. Um, my mom's told me lots of stories of how she would pray for me and she would see things, you know, God would reveal things to her for me that I'm sure saved my life at many times. But there was a special moment. My grandma, um, she was in the last couple years of her life and she was going into a nursing home because of Alzheimer's and she really didn't remember um, too much anymore. And we were going through her things and I found her prayer journal. And in this journal, it was the names of all of our family members and loved ones, and it would be the prayers that she prayed. And so some of these went back so many years. And I was able to look and see the things that she had prayed years and decades ago that had come to pass. The things that she had prayed for me, thankfully, that has come to pass. And then the things that she had prayed for me that I really hope came to pass. I am so grateful for a mama and a grandma who prayed for me like that, because the Bible says that the prayers of the saints, they go on forever. They go up to the throne of God. You don't pray a prayer and then it dies. God remembers every prayer you pray. So pray those prayers for your kids and for your grandkids and know, know in your heart that they're going to make a difference. Are there things in your life that you've been trying to solve on your own? Battles that you've been fighting by yourself that you need to bring to the throne of grace? Don't continue to carry those on your own. Pour out your heart to the Father like Hannah and let him help walk you through that. We also see in this story that when um, Eli spoke what God said, she believed him. See, Samuel, he needed to be a man that heard the voice of God because as we read earlier that the voice of God was rare in that day. And so Samuel had to learn how to hear God's voice when there was very few, if any, people around him that knew how to hear his voice. And so I have this picture of Hannah when she has Samuel and she's holding him and she's telling him the story of how when she was sitting there praying to God and God said, you're going to have a son. And how that seed of truth of God speaks, God hears, was sown into his sweet little heart that day. So that when she took him later to the temple and she wasn't with him all the time, that that seed that was planted continued to grow for him to become a man that heard the voice of God all the time when so many others didn't. 1 Samuel 1, 17 through 18, it says that Eli answered, Go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way, ate, and her face was no longer sad. So not only did she hear the voice of God, but when she did, she immediately believed. It said she got up, she ate because she hadn't been eating, and her face and her whole countenance changed. She was happy. She was joyous. She didn't continue to worry about it. She didn't allow the ridicule of her rival's voice to continue to get her sorrowful and downcast. Her entire countenance was changed. Is that the way you hear the voice of God and respond to it? Sometimes I do. Sometimes not so much. Sometimes it seems like as soon as I hear the voice of God, then an enemy says, that wasn't God. And I'm like, oh yeah, maybe that wasn't God. Maybe that was me. But we need to respond like Hannah. Because in Psalms 84, 11, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. If God places a desire in your heart and it's a God-given desire, he's not going to withhold it from you. So when you pray and he speaks, you can stand sure that he is going to bring it to pass. Hannah had faith 
that when God, through his anointed priest, said she would receive what she requested, that she would. There was a time, um, we have lots of baby stories, and so um, on our second pregnancy, we had wanted to have kids again, so we began fertility again. Um, We did it with our first child, and then with our second, too, and um, it went, progressed to another level, and so I started to worry, is it not going to work this time because we needed more intervention and um, more medical attention? And I remember crying on an anniversary trip that we were getting ready to go and take and just praying, God, like, is this ever going to happen? Why do I have this desire to have a large family? Um, Because I wanted five kids. I talked him into having four, and we had six. And so, um, but I was starting to wonder if we were ever going to have that desire that God had placed in my heart. And so we were driving down to the lake and I, we were looking for deer because where we lived before, I guess we didn't see as many deer or maybe I didn't see as many deer. Now I see deer all the time and I realized it was probably a, a weird request. But I remember praying and said, God, if, if you really want for me to have kids, more kids, then show me a deer. And about 10 seconds later, I saw a mama deer and two baby deers. So I was so excited. I'm like, I'm going to have a baby. That's what God said. And so we get down to the house, and I tell Matt, and he's like, oh, well, maybe that means we're going to have twins. I was like, twins? What? Hold on. I didn't ask for twins. And so then for about a month, I was thinking, you know, thinking about this, and it kind of stirred in my heart, and that seed was there, and I kept thinking about it and wondering, well, what if it means we're going to have twins? You know, what am I going to do if I have twins? I don't know anybody who has twins. And so um, about a month later, I asked God, "Um, God, I know this is such little faith, and I should have way more faith than this, but if you really meant that we were going to have twins, can you show me again? And about 30 seconds later, I saw a mama and two babies. Craziest thing. I went, and in my, like, whole five minutes of blogging, I blogged it. So I have it documented on that I actually wrote this down before um, I had babies. But in in February, we found out that we were pregnant with twins. But at that same visit, the doctor um, was looking for the heartbeat, and he found one, but not the other. And he told me, well, I mean, you're you're pregnant with twins, but one's probably not going to make it. And we were like, what? Well, what, what's, like, the chances? And he was like, 50-50, maybe? And it was like, 50-50! I mean, we're going to have twins. So we left thinking that we were going to have twins. We left believing. We called people, and we're like, hey, we're pregnant. It's twins. I mean, the doctor said this something about one might not wake it, just pray, but we're going to have twins. And, you know, we went on our way. And so it was about eight weeks later, we went to a regular OB appointment And I went in, and I was like, hey, did you hear that I'm pregnant with twins? And he was like, oh, well, I heard that one didn't make it. And I was like, well, that's not what my doctor said. He said 50-50. And he was like, well, we'll check, honey, and patted me on the back, totally expecting there to only be one baby. And so anyway, I went in, and I got the ultrasound, and sure enough, there were two babies there. And he was so shocked. He was like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to write a letter to Dr. Pineda and let him know um, that, that, that both of them made it. But there was a seed that was sown when God spoke. And the way we responded when God spoke is, we're going to have twins. And when the opposition came, it was, we're going to have twins. It didn't shake us because we believed what God had spoke. When God speaks, do you believe? 
Hannah didn't just muster up faith for what she wanted. There's a difference, because I've tried to do that as well. But Hannah brought her petitions to God, and when she heard him speak, she put all her faith in the voice of God. I wish that I could say that I always responded with immediate and continued faith, like I just shared, and I don't. But the more I spend time with God, the more I see his goodness and his faithfulness. The more he comes through for me and proves himself trustworthy every time, the more I do. Where has God come through, come through for you in the past? Has he done anything good for you? Has he come through? Whatever you're facing today, remember that thing. Remember when God came through before. Because he's the same God, like we sang, that he was with Jacob, that he was with Elijah, that he was with Samuel, that he is today. And he wants to come through for you just the same. My next point is that Hannah put her desire into God's hands. In verse 11, we see that Hannah made a vow that if God gave her a son, that she would give him back to him. Um, I can only imagine what she must have felt like when she had this son. Oh, I'm so excited. I had my son. Oh, darn. I got to give him back to God. Have you ever made a vow and then God gave you what you asked for and then you're like, oh, shoot, do I have to hold up my end of bargain? In fact, sometimes I make vows and then by the time I get it, I totally forget my end of the bargain. Um, but God never does. God always remembers. And so one, take your vows very carefully, <laughs> very seriously, because God certainly does. Um, but San Hannah saw herself beyond just herself. She saw her son beyond just what she wanted. She saw a purpose on this little boy's life. She saw that if God brought him by through miraculous means, that he has a plan for this baby and that he wants to do something special through him. And so after about two to three years, when she nursed and weaned him, she took him back and she gave him to the temple um, to be raised by the priests that were there. The Bible says that she lent him to the Lord. And that's not like borrowing, but that was like giving him unconditionally. She unconditionally gave him to God for whatever it was that God wanted to use him for. She still cared for him, though. Year after year, the Bible says that she brought him clothing and made him things. Can you imagine the amount of time she sat thinking as she was creating these clothes for her baby? Um, but she did it joyously, not begrudgingly. She didn't regret her vow. She didn't get mad at God because she had to hold her end of the bargain up. He lived in the temple, and he was trained by the priest, and there he learned to hear the voice of God. He was being prepared for his purpose and his calling. Do you trust God with your deepest treasures, with your deep desires like that? Are you willing to put them fully into his hands, whatever they may be? I have an aunt who, um, she lives out of town, and she's been, it took her eight years to have her first child. So through that period of my life where I was struggling to have children, she ministered to me a lot because she could understand. And she's an amazing woman of faith, a great mom. Um, but a, a few months ago, actually, she had tragically lost her son um, in an accident. And so we went down and we visited my aunt. And I spent time watching her grieve in one of the most beautiful, healthy ways that I've ever seen a mom grieve. Um, she decided that he was God's son, not hers, and that that's how she was going to be. And so she ministered to so many people 
through the few days that I was down there. People that were coming to her and they were leaving, you know, trusting in God more, seeing God more because of what she had went through. And there was one moment, it was the morning of his funeral. And um, we were in there because all she wanted to do was worship. She's like, I just need to worship. I just need to be with God. So every moment that someone wasn't going to be there, that's where she was worshiping. And so this morning we were up there worshiping. And um, at one point she picked up the urn and she kind of walked around for a minute and sat down. And for about 20 minutes, she was just sitting there holding it and praying. And then after about 20 minutes, she picked it up, she set it on the table and she walked out and got ready. People are coming. And at some later point, I asked her, I'm like, what? Like, what were you doing there? And she's like, well, I picked him up. And I was remembering him holding him and bouncing him on my knee and speaking to him and all these things. And then I said, he's never mine in the first place. God just lent him to me. And so I gave him back to God and I trust him. And it was like, wow, that's an amazing amount of trust to trust God in that kind of situation. And I know there's other moms here today that have done the same. There's moments when we're going to have to trust God with our treasured possessions, and maybe it's not with something like that, but we'll have to send a child off to college or a son to the military or a daughter into the hands of some crazy boy that you really hope he knows what he's doing. Possibly your business to rest in the hands of someone else, because if you don't, it won't go to the next level. There's a place where we trust God because he's omniscient, and we say he knows everything, and so we're going to trust in that. I'm sure you would agree that if your child grew up, like all the way up, 40 years old, and they had no job, and they lived in your home, and they did nothing, that you would say, this, this child is not fulfilling their purpose. They need to get out of here. Some of you may have those children. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, but there is a point where if we hang on to something too long, that it's no longer beautiful, that it's no longer beautiful. And so we have to put those dreams into the hands of our Father. My next point is that Hannah did this, and then she praised God. She spent time with God thanking him, and we see in the New Testament that the prayer that Hannah prayed because of Samuel and having this miraculous birth that Mary kind of simulated a little bit in her own prayer. And I want to read you Hannah's, just the first two verses. It says, Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, the Lord is my horn, is lifted up. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. When we spend time thanking God for the things that he does, especially in the midst of trusting him and putting them in his hands, it sets our heart in a completely different place. It helps us to see things in a different way. It reminds us of the things that God has done. 1 Samuel twelve twenty four says, and this is Samuel. It says, Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. I'm sure this is another lesson that started with his mama. Remember what God's done for you. Remember those great things that he's brought you through. Consider what he's done. Don't let them go to the back of your mind and you don't remember them anymore. Because when we come back to this remembering what God has done place and being grateful for it, we're more prepared for the next season, whatever it may bring. 
It reminds me of those horses with blinders. Have you seen those horses? Usually they're the ones that drive you around and there's blinders and they put them on there so you can only see or so they can only see a little bit of space, just what's right in front of them. And I think that's what we look like when we don't spend time being grateful. We're focused on our situation and what's right in front of us and the struggle that's there or our desires or what we're not getting. But when we spend time being grateful, it's like the blinders are removed and we start to see the whole picture. And we start to put our situation in context with the big God that we serve and all the things that he's done in the past and where he showed up for us before. And it helps us say, well, well, he will show up for us again. Well, if he did it then, he will show up for us again. Where do you owe God some praise? Are there some things that God's done that you need to remind yourself of so that you can get a more accurate view of where you are right now? If you haven't lately, I want to encourage you to spend more time really being deeply grateful. This is Mother's Day, a day where you can spend time being thankful for the moms and the grandmas in your life, for the ones that have prayed for you and and warred for you spiritually, that cared for you and loved you, for the people that were like moms in your life, spiritual moms that spoke into your life and raised you up and encouraged you. It's a great start of being grateful. Because you would never be who you are today if it wasn't for those people in your life. I know that certainly for me. And if I just spend time being grateful, God will help me to see that where I am right now, the things that I struggle with, the things that I'm worried about, well, they're not that big. As we close, I want to ask you the question that I started with. Are you holding your desires in your hand or are they in God's hands? Are you trusting that God's going to bring them to pass? with his ability, his wisdom, his sovereignty, and his timing? Or are you trying to push your own? Hannah was barren, and she needed God to intervene to have Samuel. When she was truly ready to put her child in God's hands, God opened her womb. When she was ready for it, when he was ready to be born, at that right timing, God opened her womb. I want to ask you to close your eyes for just a moment. And tune everything else out. And ask the Holy Spirit, what is he trying to show you? He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. I do not. He knows where your pain is, what you've walked through. He knows what you need to accomplish the desires that he set before you. He knows what desires you have that are from him and what aren't. I just want to Ask the Father to show you what you need to see today. Dear Father God, I pray that you would help each of us to see where we need to trust you more. Help each of us to see, Lord God, where we're trying to make things happen in our own strength and with our own wisdom, Lord God, and where we deeply need yours. God, help us to see where we need to be more grateful, where you've shown up in our life and the big things, the awesome things that you've done that maybe it's been a long time since we've really thought about. Father God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts to be an example of Jesus. Lord, prepare our hearts to grow and prepare our hearts to be able to walk fully in the purposes that you have for us, Lord God. I pray for each and every person in this room that you would help them to surrender anything that they need to Lord God, that you would help them to 
to heal from anything that's wounded. If there's a rival out there, if there's oppression, Lord God, we just pray that you would deal with that thing, that as they turn their eyes to you, Lord God, that you would take care of all of those things that are coming against them, whatever they may be. We just pray for your plan and your purposes to prevail in each and every person in this room today.